Well, welcome to Graceway Baptist Church once again and to our Sunday School Hour. We are presenting this on April 16th, 2023. And I hope that you are enjoying spring so far and hope that you enjoyed Easter. And um, we uh, didn't have Sunday School on Easter Sunday so that people can be with their families or meet friends that they want to bring to church. But we're resuming it this week. And so uh, for those of you who are teaching, again, thank you and may the Lord bless you as you uh, teach, minister, and reach out to other people. And for those of you who are watching this because you want to keep up with your Sunday school class, well, God bless you for that too. We uh, really do appreciate people like you and uh, all you mean to our church. And thank you so much for your prayers, of course. And uh, keep praying for your church and giving and participating in any way that you can. And uh, one of the things that we want to emphasize on these first two lessons in April are uh, the fact that we need to pray for one another. There's such a, a divide today. Uh, we, we just see it everywhere we go. Political divides, racial divides, and even generational division. And uh, we want to come together because in John 17, Jesus prayed that the church might be unified. And uh, so we've got to lay aside some of these artificial um, divisions and we've got to pray for one another, love one another, help and serve one another. And I think a lot of that comes with some understanding. And uh, today we're going to talk about pray for older people. I started to put elderly in there, but I knew some of you would be offended by that. And uh, all of us kind of fit into the category maybe of older people. We're all older than somebody, aren't we? And uh, as Solomon does this, though, he uh, in chapter 12, as we go to verse 2, last time we talked about younger people, praying for them that they would remember their creator in the days of their youth before the hard times come. And uh, today Solomon gives us a description of the hard times. And everyone wants to live a long life. And anybody that you talk to, especially the younger they are, they really don't want to die. They don't want to die young. They want to live life. They want to experience life. They want to kind of have it all in every aspect of life. And there's uh, something to where they kind of go, you know, I just want to live to be a hundred or something like that, but it's with the assumption, okay, you'll know what I mean on this, with the assumption that living to a hundred means I can live pretty much the way that I'm living right now, that I'll look pretty good, that I'll move pretty good, that I'll think pretty good, and everything will just be, you know, continuing on. Unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes people have you know, good genes and a good situation. And so they live a long time. I had a great grandmother that lived to be 102 and never spent the night in a hospital. That's pretty good, isn't it? But uh, I'm sure the latter part of her life was probably much more difficult than her early days because that tends to be the case. We don't, uh, we don't tend to die uh, healthy or intact or anything like that. Things change and things quit working and uh, there's pain involved in it and difficulty involved in it. And uh, even in the Psalms, I can't remember where it is, it says that we're allotted 
uh, 70 years. And even if we live beyond the 70 years, it's with difficulty. And a lot of us watching this and a lot of those that we're going to teach could say amen to that, right? And um, so in the introduction, we uh, want to approach it from this. Everyone wants to live a long time. And when we are young, we assume that things will continue as they are. However, no one lives on earth forever in this life because of sin. The wages of sin is death, of course. And our bodies deteriorate as we age. And Solomon calls these the difficult days. And they're coming for all of us unless we die young. And we should be prepared and we should pray for older people and uh, love and appreciate them and learn from them. Solomon describes his own aging in a very descriptive and a very poetic way. Now let's keep in mind Solomon, yeah, he was a king and yes, he was very, very wealthy, but uh, they didn't even have Tylenol back then. And so think about how difficult life would be even for the wealthy and there were just some things they couldn't escape. I'm sure they had some homeopathic remedies and things like that that they could use that would help, but nothing like we do now. And uh, they did become very, very difficult days for everybody. And can you imagine, here's a young, healthy king who's ambitious, he's building things, he's got all kinds of projects going, and then as time goes by, he gets to the point where he is in Ecclesiastes where he's got some mental and emotional uh, things going on, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, he says. That's not really the sign of thinking really clearly or well or even right, is it? I'm not saying that he had dementia. I'm just saying that by the time he got to this point in his life, he didn't really see just much point in living and he didn't really have a future ahead of him and uh, you can kind of see why when you read about these things so um, he says in uh, these verses in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 um, the, the right after verse 1 that we looked at last time uh, he says before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say I have no pleasure in them. Doesn't that sound like Solomon? Doesn't that sound the way, like the way that he is thinking? And he seems to kind of have the idea that this is not just him, that this is something that is uh, mainly universal. And when you think about the times in which they lived, I can imagine. Uh, verse 2 says, as he describes these difficult days, he says, while the, sun, uh, while the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened and the clouds do not, um, let me get back here, I went too soon. And the clouds do not return after the rain. Verse 3, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, that's kind of a picturesque thing of, of uh, older people losing their strength and the strong men bow down when the grinders cease because they are few and those that look through the window grow dim 
when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low. Also, they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Okay, let's make sure that we understand this because even though it's very descriptive and very poetic, it may not be terribly clear to everybody. What's it like to grow old? What is Solomon telling us it's going to be like? And I'm speaking to everybody. We're all going to do that again unless we die somehow uh, at a young age. This is what we have to look forward to. Number one, uh, older people have this thing that younger people don't. They have to face their mortality. Do you remember when you were a little kid, you never really thought about dying? When you were an adolescent or maybe you were in your 20s, maybe even up into your 30s, you never really gave dying much of a thought. Oh, it'll be okay. And safety didn't seem to be much of a concern. And you didn't really know much fear, especially if you were a guy. Well, that changes at some point. And uh, can you imagine someone, even if they live to be a healthy uh, 102, let's say like my uh, great-great-grandmother did, uh, even if everything seems to be good, there comes a certain point to where you have to realize, I may not wake up in the morning. This could be my last day. Now that's true for all of us as we stand right now, no matter who we are, no matter what our age is, no matter what our health situation, we don't know that we're going to live another day. But you really are assured of it if you are 102 that uh, you really just don't have much time left and it could go at any particular time and you have to live with that. And that's what he means when he says, uh, while the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened. There's going to be a time when you look at the sun, when you look at the moon for the last time, and you're not going to see them anymore. He goes on to say, and the clouds do not return after the rain. There's a rainstorm. You expect the sun to come back out and then the clouds to return as weather conditions merit. There's going to come a time when that's all over. When everything that you see and everything that you experience as normal in this life, that it's going to end. We're not going to live forever and kind of sounds depressing, but we all know that. In other words, think of this. Normal, everyday things will come to an end, like the sunrise, sunset, clouds and the moon and all of that. Everything normal, everyday things will come to an end. And everyone, as you know, is on a countdown And uh, some are more obvious and more evident than others, but all of us are like that. The baby that was just born today uh, is on a countdown. We don't know how long that child is going to live. We don't know how long we're going to live or how long our friends are going to live or how long our family members are going to live. It's just part of it. And that's just the way we have to face it. And as you get older, it becomes more evident, more apparent, and you kind of have to live with that. And so uh, for those of you who are younger, 
Just imagine what it must be like for somebody that when they get to a certain age where you're talking about what we're going to do later on in life or in the next decade and uh, they are listening to you and they're thinking, I don't have another decade of life to live. And uh, that's a sobering thought to stop and think about those kind of things. How many people in your life, how many people that you love, how many people that you appreciate don't really have the hope of another decade of life. And it happens, like we said, to all of us. Number two, Solomon talks about facing weakness. Now, we don't like to be weak, especially as men. We like to be strong. We like to think that we're strong. But one of the things about growing older is diminishing strength. Things that you used to be able to do without giving it a second thought. You have to think about it and you have to plan for it. My grandpa said to me one time, every time he bent over to tie his shoes, he looked to see if there was anything else he needed to do while he was down there. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is, isn't it? And uh, sometimes you plan for certain things. You may be uh, uh, playing with grandkids in the middle of the floor and then they run off to go do something else and then you look around to say, okay, how do I get up and what... What do I lean on to get up or something like that? Or maybe you think about losing your balance. Remember when you used to be able to almost walk on a tightrope? I'm sure you probably didn't, but you felt like you could. And you had the balance to do something like that. And now you get dizzy. You get a little bit weak. And uh, those kind of things are hard to do. And maybe you lift something. I can remember uh, my dad was always extremely strong. And uh, if you look back at his pictures when he was in the Marine Corps, particularly when he was wounded, and you see all of him, he's got a picture of him where he doesn't have a shirt on, but you can see all of his bandages. He's wrapped from his shoulder down to his waist. And um, I I know my kids were surprised when they looked at him because he was uh, pretty buff back in those days. And he could do just about anything, and he had really strong hands and strong arms and that kind of deal. And I remember as he got older, I was over at his house in Rogers, and there was something he wanted me to move, and then he said, now be careful, it's really heavy. And I picked it up, and I mean, it, it, it wasn't heavy at all. But it had become heavy to him, because as he aged, he uh, lost his strength. And so uh, Solomon talks when we start reading the section beginning in verse 3 about facing weakness. He says, In the day when the keepers of the house tremble. The keepers of the house. He's talking about you, yourself. That there comes a point when the person that was so strong, now they begin to tremble. Some are more evident than others. And some, maybe only when they are lifting something that's too heavy for them to be lifting and they may tremble and shake a little bit. Just a picturesque way of of talking about weakness. The keepers of the house tremble and look at this. And the strong men bow down. It's kind of a picture of a house as it gets older. Maybe the, um, oh, the walls are starting to sag and maybe the roof is starting to sag a little bit. Those kind of things. It's just not as strong and sturdy and as straight as it used to be. Well, what do you think that's a picture of? Well, think about people as they get older 
and think about them not being able to stand up as straight as they used to and think about them as they are a little bit weaker and they tremble about those kind of things. And then he says, when the grinders cease because they are few. What are the grinders? They're your teeth. And uh, you think about a day that Solomon lived in where they, they couldn't replace hip joints or knee joints or shoulders or anything like that. And they didn't even have the capability of doing proper dental work like we do now. I mean, think about how dentures would change even somebody like uh, George Washington's life or dental implants or something like that. Think about uh, people that, well, I know my dad, as hard as he worked and he liked to work, work was kind of a hobby for him and he took it as a challenge, but uh, he had a hip that was going out and uh, boy, he got to where he was just living on pain medicine and he was limping everywhere he would go. Well, he got a hip replacement. You know what? That was a new lease on life. And for the next 20 years, uh, he was able to go back to doing a lot of the things that he did before. And he would, uh, you know, be up on the roof of the house or he would be up in a tree cutting branches down or cutting the whole tree down and splitting the wood and those kind of things. And the doctor said that had he waited much longer to have his hip replaced, he would have been in a wheelchair before very much longer. And I promise you, he would not have lasted long in a wheelchair. But think about how those kind of things have changed our lives and changed the way we are as we age. Think about medical care. Think about dental care. Think about vision care. Think about all of those kind of things, not to mention pain relievers, that Solomon had no clue about and they just had to live the way that uh, they were and had to accept things the way that they were. So as he describes those things, he's talking about trembling, loss of teeth and all of that. And no one really expects these things, but they come, or at least they seem to come suddenly and they affect work. They affect the ability to do everything, everyday things. They affect the ability to take in nourishment. And again, Solomon lived in a time when uh, there was virtually nothing they could do for these things except just live with them and suffer in these kind of things. Now, I remember uh, talking about my dad a lot this time because when I think about old people, I don't think about me, even though I am now. But um, I remember talking to him one time about uh, taking care of himself. And he goes, well, what good does that do? He goes, I'm going to die pretty soon anyway. And I said, well, I am a believer that you're not going to die one second sooner or live three seconds longer than you uh, are ordained by God. I think Psalm 139 makes that clear. I said, but I do believe we can control how we live during that time. And I said, Dad, I'd hate for you to be in a nursing home. I'd hate for you to be crippled. I'd hate for you to have no strength at all or have other things going wrong. And that's why I want you to be active and take care of yourself and eat right and I remember he said, well, I guess that's true. I probably ought to pay more attention to that. And I think that's true for all of us. How do you want to live? I mean, you can put on 50, 60 pounds and uh, not be able to get out of a chair one of these days or have all your joints become so weak that they hurt everything. Somebody said one time, everything that, um, uh, that I have, uh, most of it doesn't work and what works hurts. And um, what doesn't hurt doesn't work, basically. And, you know, to live like that, there are some choices 
that we have to make and some things that we want to do. Keep moving, keep active. And as you pray for older people, think about that because sometimes it's hard, sometimes it hurts, sometimes it's very difficult to do that. It's not as easy as you think it's going to be. And nobody expects those days to come. We see them in other people, but we don't think it's going to happen to us, is his point here. Number three, he talks about physical as well as social limitations. And sometimes you see older people that uh, they just kind of withdraw. And that may be for a good reason. Maybe they can't see. Maybe they can't hear. Maybe uh, they can't get around like they used to. And the thought of like going on a trip or going out somewhere or going out to eat or doing something like that is just more trouble than it's worth because of their limitations. And he speaks of that. He says, and those that look through the windows grow dim. And looking through the windows is a a picture of the eyes. And what happens? They grow dim. What used to be clear is no longer clear. Cataracts maybe or something like that that he speaks of. And verse 4 he says, and when the doors are shut in the streets, in other words, you just don't get out much anymore. You keep the doors closed for several reasons. Number one, you're not using it much. Number two, maybe for the sake of security. And so uh, he says that due to poor eyesight and uh, untreated and uncorrected, those kind of things, and physical limitations, you have to think about they lived in a day where they didn't have wheelchairs, they didn't have power chairs, they didn't have portable oxygen or uh, treatments for most things, they didn't have physical therapy you could go to or any of those that we kind of take for granted. And so you just tended to stay put and to stay in. Not much of a life, even for a king. And especially in those days to think about, what was their transportation? Um, a horse? Um, maybe they had some kind of a wagon, some type of a carriage or something like that. Can you imagine getting out? Uh, this is back before the days of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And uh, think about uh, how all of those things that you had built in your, in your home, your palace and all of that, years before when you were younger and healthier, and now let's say you're getting up there to where everything is very, very difficult. What about those steps that look so impressive and so beautiful and were used in all of the different ceremonies that you might have gone through? And now you can't navigate them. And now the thoughts of getting out and getting into a carriage or getting on a horse or something, just, I mean, just very, very, very painful. So what do you do? You tend to just stay in more. You don't tend to go visit other people. You don't tend to get out and around. You don't tend to go to various ceremonies or things like that because of the physical limitations here because you really don't have any kind of help. And so you're shut in. Maybe you're even bedfast. And uh, as, as much as we hate to think about that, think about, uh, consider all of the things that medical science has given us that even being bedfast is not quite the same as it would have been back in Solomon's day. And so uh, uh, how hard must have life been for this guy the way he describes it here. And number four, Consider this, life becomes difficult. Just all the way around, difficult. 
And in this, we're not just talking about the physical things, but you'll see here maybe just a little bit more of some other things as well. And he says, and the sound of grinding is low. You don't eat very much. The grinders are the teeth. You just don't eat very much. It may be painful to eat. There have been people that uh, their teeth were in such bad shape and their dentures didn't fit well if they had them. And so eating was just a chore for them. But also the idea that it says the sound is low. The sound of the grinding is low. You don't hear much of anything. It's hard to hear even yourself. Most of the time we uh, can hear, even when our hearing may be uh, poor, we can still kind of hear things on the inside. We can hear ourselves talk and we can hear ourselves chew and that kind of thing. Solomon talks about the sound of the grinding is low. Your hearing is starting to go. When one rises at the sound of a bird, I mean, this is a person that you, you have to yell at them to get them to hear anything you say, and yet they can't sleep because there's a bird outside that's chirping and uh, it, it gets their attention. I mean, it's kind of a funny thing, but it's also very, very real in all of this. When one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low. And here again is uh, the idea of poor hearing. What are the daughters of music? Well, you have to remember in Solomon's day, since we're pointing all these kind of things out, uh, they didn't have um, any kind of portable entertainment, did they? I mean, maybe uh, David had his harp that he could carry around with him, uh, but not really to be entertained by. Maybe he could occupy time. Maybe he enjoyed uh, composing songs and, you know, putting them to music like he did in the Psalms. But that's a little bit different than just turning on the radio or a CD player or uh, streaming music or, you know, whatever it is you might want to do. And uh, we live in an age that is unprecedented because we can get virtually anything that we want at uh, just about any time that we want. Uh, it's amazing to me that when I first started into the ministry, uh, the average person in the church, there weren't very many theological books they were going to read and they didn't know what to get if they could. Now they can get almost any of them digitally. They can get them on Kindle and they can read them. They can get almost any translation of the Bible we were talking about this the other day in our men's Bible study on uh, Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock. Come join us if you want to. We're talking about Romans. And we were talking about how uh, we can get through our phones just about any translation of the Bible that we've ever heard of. In fact, you go to Bible Gateway and uh, look on there the translations they have. You'll have some where you have to, you'll have to look at it and go, what in the world is that? And you have to do a little research to find out whether it's any good or not because there's good and bad with that availability. Some of them stink and some of them aren't even translations. They're just um, paraphrases. And, um, you know, but we can get them and we can compare all of those things and we can study Think about uh, how many sermons you can get. Uh, when I first started in the ministry and I was working at a church in Moore, 
about the only sermon we really got was from the pastor. And we trusted him and we listened to him and he was our main source of spiritual food. Uh, other than, you know, maybe going to uh, the Bot Radio Network. I think back then it was called KQCV. And uh, you could listen to some different people preach, but only when they were being broadcast. And other than that, you didn't have just a whole lot of choice. Then cassette tapes came out and people started having tape ministries and then on to where we are now. But today you can virtually get anything. I listened to some dead people that uh, not terribly many years ago, they would have been just silenced and put in the grave. But now their sermons are archived and their teachings are archived and there are foundations that keep them going and so they broadcast them. J. Vernon McGee and people like that. Uh, Dr. W.A. Criswell, all of his sermons from back from the 1950s all the way till he died are available on his website and things like that. And pretty soon it'll be that way for John MacArthur and Chuck Swindoll and John Piper, those kind of things. We live in an amazing age. But not only that, you can get virtually any kind of music from any era that you want to. There was someone on a TV show or maybe an old movie, they mentioned a song and I go, what song is that? And uh, guess what I did? Googled it, found the song and even got to listen to just a little bit of it. And it was something from back, uh, I think in the 20s, if I remember right. And uh, that would have been just gone. You know, there would have been no way to retrieve it. Now, this is the way we live and we take that for granted. When Solomon was living, you know what he wanted when he wanted to hear a song? He had to call for the singers to come in and the musicians to come in. And they would come in and they would play for him. And the daughters of music, he said, now they're getting low. In other words, some of you have experienced this. It just doesn't sound the same anymore. And you can't hear the different nuances of the of the music. You don't hear the different instruments. You don't hear all of those things like you used to and it sounds uh, kind of muffled. And I've had some people say, everything sounds like I've got my hands over my ears. Well, that's what Solomon is talking about. When uh, the first word that comes out of your mouth is, huh? Or what? Or say that again? And some people get into a habit of doing that. I know uh, one guy, he was pretty young and had good hearing, but anything you said, if you said, hey, it's a nice day, he'd go, huh? Oh, yeah. And then he would answer you, which tells you that he had it. Well, that's not what Solomon was talking about. And he also talks about some things. Look at verse 5. Also, they're afraid of height. These same people that used to climb trees and climb up on roofs and do all of that kind of stuff, now they trip over a throw rug or uh, the thought of getting up on a ladder is, is terrifying for them. And also, end of terror is in the way. They never gave locking their doors a second thought. Now they have everything locked up in case somebody breaks in or something like that happens. And they were the one that said before, if anybody breaks in, I'll take care of them. And they could. But now even the strongest just can't do that. And they're a little bit fearful about all of this. When the almond tree blossoms, the almond tree blossoming, white blossom blossoms on a dark tree, uh, kind of a picturesque way of saying your hair is turning white. It's more than just salt and pepper. It's more than just gray. It's actually turned white now. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden 
Did you ever think that a grasshopper would get on your nerves and you couldn't catch him? You couldn't get him? And so there comes a point where you just can't move fast enough or quick enough to even grab a grasshopper or a cricket or whatever it might be. And uh, when you're younger, you don't give it all a second thought. But now all of a sudden, those kind of things become a nuisance and a problem. And it says, and this is really sad, and desire fails. You just kind of lose your joy. You lose your ability to appreciate things. Everything's an aggravation. Nothing seems to make sense. And it says that this is what happens as we go to the end. For man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go out uh, or go about the streets. And back in Solomon's day, especially if you were a king, there were people that their job was to go out and weep and wail and mourn for you and put on a good show and um, that's just the way things were and Solomon says when you start getting through all of these things like he was that's what awaits you death going to your eternal home and on earth just people weeping and wailing and remembering and thinking about you and he said and that's just well it's just about gone okay so we've talked about all those hearing problems sleeping difficulties Fear of falling, the almond blossoms or white hair, and uh, grasshoppers too hard to catch and dispose of, desire fails. You know, when we think about that, um, there comes a point, and I know younger people don't understand this, but there comes a point to where uh, you tend to think you're always going to be young and cool and kind of with it, you know, to use an old hippie term. And uh, everything's, you, you're going to understand everything and know what it's, what's going on. I promise you there will come a time when all of a sudden popular music doesn't sound good to you anymore. There'll come a time when the styles and the changing of styles are not exciting. They seem kind of dumb. Why, why are you wearing that kind of stuff? And who came up with that? Or it may be some of you are saying this already. Well, I, we wore that back in the 90s. You know, why do we want to wear that again? You just lose interest in all of those things. There'll come a time when you don't know who all of the popular entertainers are. There'll come a time when you don't care at all about things like the Grammys or the Oscars or the Emmys or any of those kind of things. And you may even lose some of your interest uh, in sports or hobbies, those type of things. And you'll be listening to uh, younger people talk, maybe even your own grandchildren. And you want to be there for them, but you can't understand a thing they're saying because the world doesn't make sense to you anymore. When you watch the news and you look and you just go, what in the world is happening here? I'm, I'm a little bit there already as well as some of you are. And uh, this is what Solomon is talking about. And when you get somebody that is in hospice and uh, you talk to them about the most fashionable whatever, they, they won't respond just a whole lot on that. They've got other things on their mind. They're coming to the end of their life. They don't really care what colors are in or what styles are in or out or anything like that. And that's what he's saying. Remember your creator before all of this happens because this stuff is going to happen to one degree or another. I know it doesn't hit everybody the same way, but this is Solomon's description of old age. And as a general rule, this is the direction that we're all headed. And so what's the key to all of that? And uh, John MacArthur, 
as a man who is in his 80s now, he would say, remember to pray for people as they age because they've never experienced these things before. He was at the shepherd's conference and he had taken a fall and broken his wrist and banged up his head. And this is a guy that uh, had offers to be a professional athlete when he was young. He, uh, you know, also had some heart problems that made him weak. And so uh, when he came in and sat down for an interview they were doing, it was the first time he had been in the pulpit since January 1st. And he really wasn't in the pulpit at that point. He was just talking and he said, uh, you'll have to excuse me. I've never been this age before. And that's what made me think of that in the conclusion. But I will do a direct quote here that he writes about these verses. Ready? This gloomy picture of old age does not negate the truth that old age can be blessed for the godly. Proverbs sixteen thirty one, But it does remind the young that they will not have the ability to enjoy that blessing of a godly old age and a life of strong service to God if they do not remember their Creator while young. Ecclesiastes 12.1 And that's his word to us. Because just as uh, someone said to me, do you think you'll live to be 90? And I said, I don't know. I've got several people in my family who have. And they said, well, what do you want life to be like when you're 90? And I said, well, I mean, I, I want it to be good. And they said, do you want to be able to get up out of a chair by yourself? And I said, yeah, I'd really like to. <clears throat> and they said, the key to doing that at 90 is keep moving at 60. And uh, this was a few years ago, obviously. And uh, so I've tried to do that. And I think the same thing is true spiritually. If you want to be joy-filled and have the fruit of the Spirit in your life and have great impact when you're 90, then you need to take a look at yourself when you're younger before all of this stuff hits you. So remember your Creator in the days of your youth. So old people, pray for those who are younger. They don't understand what you're going through. And younger people, take this to heart. This is where you're headed and uh, look at people who are ahead of you as they kind of pave the way. And remember to pray for them so that we can be one in Christ, loving each other, helping each other, serving each other, and doing it all for the glory of God. And so let's uh, not fight, let's not war, let's not argue, let's not put down, let's not take for granted one another, but let's uphold one another, bless one another, and help one another during the times either when we're too young to know what to do, then older people can be a big help. Or when we get too old to do the things that we used to do without even thinking, we might just need a hand or a strong back or a word of encouragement. And so uh, think about that and let's figure out how we can minister to one another and do it for the glory of God. Okay. That's uh, enough on that. Went a little bit longer than normal with it, but that's a lot to cover. And so uh, you might want to, as you're teaching, you've only got a certain amount of time, so make sure that you uh, pace yourself, okay? Did it in uh, 39 minutes. That fits within a Sunday school hour. So anyway, I hope it helps you and you see where we're going on that. So thank you for your time. God bless you, and we will see you next week. <music>